the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed, and a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. We're underway on this Tuesday at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock. It's the 12th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2022. And we've got a good show lined up for you today. If you're tuning in at 1010 for Peter Kersenow, you're going to be both uh, disappointed and delighted. Disappointed that Peter Kersenow is traveling for work today, so he will not be with us, but delighted by the fact that we will have Jack Windsor, our good friend from the Ohio Press Network and our State House reporter for AM 1420 The Answer. Jack Windsor will be in to talk about binary politics. Binary has nothing to do with sex, male or female, men or women or whatever. It has nothing to do with that. When we talk about binary politics, in this case, we're talking about binary ideologies. Because you know if we were talking about the other, we'd have to say, we'd have to say, we'd have to say, wow, we're not saying it right now. Come on, Pastor Mark. Where's Pastor Mark? I don't know why I can't hear Pastor Mark Robinson giving us his uh, very simple and uh, direct line. One more time. Oh, that's why. It's not plugged in. <laughs> We're ready for the show today. Come on, Pastor Mark. Do it all over again. Ain't but two genders. Two genders. 
Ain't nothing but men and women. That's binary, but we're talking about something else. Uh, we're talking about binary thought. And uh, Jack wrote a great piece about it for the Ohio Press Network, which will be posted up on our webpage at alwaysright.us and is on his webpage, which, of course, is theohiopressnetwork.com. So Jack Windsor uh, stepping in for Pete. That'll be at 10.10 this morning. And then at 11.10, we're going to talk to somebody you probably don't know, you probably haven't heard of. We're going to talk to Nick Adams. Nick Adams has founded an organization called the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. FLAG, Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. He and they are shining a light on what is going on, as we often try to do, uh, on what's going on in American public schools. American schools are indoctrinating their children in ways that are just simply dangerous for them and for the future of our country. They have values and principles at FLAG that they are promoting and pushing uh, civics education to K-12 students across the country and hopefully to uh, schools and administrators as well, um, because this is so extraordinarily important. Uh, To preserve our exceptional American value system for generations to come, FLAG uh, is dedicated to helping change what's going on in our schools and helping to educate our children properly. So uh, we're going to talk to uh, Nick Adams. That'll be at 1110, Jack Windsor at 1010. Before those interviews and after those interviews and in between those interviews, I want to hear from you and your interview. That's right. We'll just treat them like interviews. You tell me what you've got to say, and I'll ask questions about it. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers will get you to where you need to be, and we'll put you up and on the radio. Got some good messages on yesterday's program from the website, alwayswrite.us. On the uh, sound off page, keep that up and send more. Uh, go to alwayswrite.us, alwayswrite.us on your browser. Click the flag, or the, uh, excuse me, the, um, red, uh, sound off button. Kind of looks like it's the shape of a flag. Anyway, click the, uh, 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 sound off button on the right side of the page, and you can leave a message for us, and we'll put it up and on the radio. Now, before we do anything else and get into the news of the day, I'm going to ask you to stand if you are a patriot, and if you're listening to this show with any regularity, you are a patriot. Uh, go ahead and put your hand over your heart, face that flag, and uh, join us for our Pledge of Allegiance. If you are a believer in bringing back the coronavirus this fall, just in time for the midterm elections that will hand power over to the Republican Party and stop the Green New Deal, stop Marxism in its tracks? Well, then you don't believe in this flag anyway. You are exempted from the request to stand and pledge your allegiance to it. You can go ahead and take a knee over in the corner next to Marxists like Colin Kaepernick, your favorite ex-quarterback. As for the rest of us... I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So they're still pushing the Chinese uh, virus. They're still pushing the Wuhan flu. They're still pushing fear, paranoia, and propaganda in order to try to scare politicians Leaders, governors, scare them into locking you down again so that we will have, once again, mail-in balloting for the midterm elections as we had in the 2020 presidential election. They are continuing to push. The Health and Human Services Secretary under Joe Biden, let's go, Brandon, is Xavier Becerra. You've heard him. You've read him. You've been disgusted by him, as have we all. 
you are going to get a lot more angry with him when you hear what he has said now. Xavier Becerra, Becerra, President Joe Biden's Health and Human Services Secretary, warns there is a strong chance, his words, quote, strong chance that the country will see a, quote, resurgence, end quote, of the Chinese coronavirus pandemic, a prediction that comes as Americans worry less and less about the virus in everyday life. And that is exactly the point, isn't it? Americans are past it. Americans are done with it. Americans are telling mandators to shove their masks up their mask holes. That's what's happening, and we're done. Americans are saying, no, we're not going to submit to mandates. The Supreme Court says we don't have to. Americans are saying, no, we are not going to have to uh, uh, resort to religious exemptions and, and philosophical exemptions. Because this is something that is now endemic to American life, and it's a choice as to whether or not you get a COVID shot, just like it's a choice as to whether or not you get a random flu shot every year. We're done with this. And the Biden administration knows it. And that's why they're sending out Becerra to say, it's not over, not over by a long shot. I read an article in the newspaper yesterday, and I'm trying to think, I don't think it was Washington Post, but it was another one of the left-wing rags, but it was a reprint in my local newspaper out here in Lorain County. And um, it literally was headlined, COVID not over by a long shot. COVID, COVID, COVID. They are continuing to start to ramp up the fall resurgent just in time for the elections. Resurgence. Back to the article. Uh, Xavier Becerra said, what I will tell you is that come the fall and winter, most everyone who's an expert on pandemics and these viruses will tell you there's a strong chance that we'll see a resurgence of the virus, whether it's the variants that we have now or new variants, and we've got to be ready. End quote. This, my friends, is propaganda in its purest form. This is misinformation wrapped up in a tight little government bow, making it look official and making it look respected, making it look like it's real by way of Xavier Becerra Health and Human Services. But the reality is this is a political maneuver and nothing less. It is a political maneuver. It is a get people talking in July about how bad the variants are. These variants are really, really dangerous. They're going to be worse than Omicron was. These new sub-variants of Omicron, and then the sub-sub-variants are going to be worse than that. By the time we get to November, we're all going to be dead if we stand in line to vote. That's where this is headed. If you do not think that's the case, you're not listening, and you're not paying attention. Indeed, one of President Biden's biggest selling points during the campaign was shutting down the virus, which never happened. Not only is it... One of the selling points during the campaign, it's been one of his victory laps that he's actually taken when he talks about why things, uh, why the economy and why the uh, 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 employment rates are looking good. It's because they dealt with the virus that the previous administration had no plan to deal with. I inherited a virus that there was no plan to stop, and look where we are now. Well, they're going to have to walk that back, aren't they, if they're going to try to tell us to not get in line to vote in November. Even the New York Times admitted earlier this year that Biden had failed to, quote, shut down the virus. Since he was inaugurated on January 20th, the Times piece wrote, of last year, 438,110 people have died from the virus, a number that is still increasing by more than 10,000 people every week. This is uh, the Times in uh, January. 
Further, Biden failed to follow through with his original promise of just 100 days of masking. What is more, U.S. travelers would likely be forced to mask up even now, if not for U.S. District Judge. Oh, I'm sorry, I said Supreme Court. I was wrong. I meant to say District Judge, yes. Uh, District Judge uh, Catherine Kimball Mizell, who struck down the federal mandate in April. Biden also flip-flop on mandating coronavirus vaccines, telling the nation in December 2020 that he wouldn't demand it to be mandatory before making it mandatory for all federal employees and contracted employees. Anybody who's working for a company that does business with the government, take the jab or lose your job. You knew that was coming. Despite the administration's warnings of a resurgence, the coronavirus is not a top issue for Americans, as just 21% consider it a top concern. 21%, a recent Senate Opportunity Fund survey found. But yet here they come. HHS telling you strong chance of a resurgence just in time for the fall. And I wonder why they've targeted the fall. Well, of course I don't, and neither do you. But the question becomes then, what do we do? What do we do if and when we start to see, you know, this is July 12th. By August 12th, they start cranking up the numbers a little bit, and they can do so artificially. In fact, I'll tell you this. Here's how they do it artificially. It's artificial, but it's real. It's real, but it's artificial. Bob, what are you talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. We've talked on this program during the height of the pandemic about cycle thresholds. You know what cycle thresholds are? We've talked about this. Cycle thresholds are the number of cycles, if you will, when they conduct a COVID test that they use to determine how far back, or rather to find as far back as they can, the presence of COVID. A lower cycle threshold number, just without getting into the science of it, because I'd have to pull the articles back up and read them to you. I had to study them myself to understand them when I first presented this stuff. But without getting into the science, basically, COVID tests can be determined or set to find either extraordinary amounts of presently present, pardon that, but uh, currently existing COVID, or go back and find deep recesses in the history of COVID from, from you know months, months ago, depending on the cycle threshold that they use. The cycle threshold basically is the strength with which the, the, the test finds the virus. And the example that I remember giving from one of the articles that explained it really, really well was of an old man. An old man who had a hair fiber on his sweater. The old man, maybe it's your grandpa, visited your home. And he had, he's wearing a sweater and it had a fiber on it. And if somebody wanted to prove that, that the old man was in your home, they could walk in while he's there and say, see, he's here. If somebody wanted to prove that Grandpa was still in your home uh, after he has, you know, hadn't been there for for you know six months, all they would have to do is ramp up the cycle threshold, and then they would find that hair fiber that was still on the chair from his sweater, indicating Grandpa was there. Grandpa was there, and it might it doesn't matter that it was six months ago, but Grandpa was there. Therefore, the test would register what positive for the presence of Grandpa. You get it? The test would register positive. And so, therefore, you'd have a positive grandpa test. That's what they do with COVID. They can crank that cycle threshold and and test people in a different manner depending on what they're trying to prove and what they're trying to get done at a given time. So they can use higher cycle threshold to prove that, aha, 
Look at that. We found a trace of COVID. You're COVID positive. Yeah, but I haven't had COVID for nine months. Doesn't matter. Your test says positive. And that's what they do. That's the game that they play. So that's what I mean when I say it's real, but it's but it's you know it's it's fictional and it's fictional, but it's real. It, the reality is they would say, yes, yeah, see, here's proof. There's COVID there, but it's not. You're not really positive because you haven't had it for so long. They will change that and do whatever they need to do to monkey with these numbers between now and November, so that they can indeed keep people home and tell people we're going to have to conduct all of these all-important midterm elections by mail-in balloting. And we're just going to trust that the Dropbox fiasco, the chaos and the cheating and the fraud that happened that was evidenced in 2,000 mules and all of the other things that went down during the 2020 election, we'll just have to trust that that won't happen again. Yeah, stand on your head and spin if you trust that. I don't. 216 The propaganda campaign is ramping back up. I want your thoughts on that and more coming up. Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. All right, now I'm going to take this to a little bit of a different level here. First of all, um, the story that I told you about that I read, there was a reprint in my local paper was not this one from the Chicago Tribune. But it was very similar, and this is the proof of what I'm talking about about the propaganda. The media is going all in. Various media sources are going to do this every few days or every every other week or whatever it is between now and November to really ramp up the fear. Because this article was just posted in the Chicago Tribune three hours ago. Headline, the virus is not done with us yet. New COVID-19 variants better evade antibodies Doctors say. So you are, again, susceptible. Even if you have contracted COVID-19 during earlier Omicron surges, doctors have some unwelcome news. You are susceptible, again, to catching the virus. Two new variants. See, remember back when this whole thing started, what did they tell us was going to be the end of COVID-19? What did they tell us? Herd immunity, right? Takes herd immunity. You're going to have to have enough of the population get it already so that you don't have to worry about widespread infections. Once the population gets it and your immune system responds, builds up the antibodies and so forth, then you don't have to worry about getting it again. Well, that happened. And they're like, yeah, but now we're losing power. Now we're losing the the ability to control what the people do and when they do it and where they do it. That can't be. So we have to say that, oh, um, yeah, you know how you got it and we moved toward herd immunity? Well, you can get it again. You can get it again and again and again and again. It's not going to be something that you can just become immune to forever. Don't even think about it. You will be subject to our rules and our control as long as we tell you you can still get it again. And so that's what they're doing. Two new variants of the virus appear to more easily evade immune protection from prior infections, meaning even some who have recovered from a case of COVID-19 in recent months may become a clean slate for the virus. The vaccines still remain. Yeah, here it is. There's the line in the Chicago Tribune. The vaccines, which are not vaccines in any definition of the word, still remain effective in largely preventing hospitalizations and death. Yeah, tell that to the VAERS reporting system. You liars, tell that to VAERS. Look at the number of hospitalizations and deaths from people who are perfectly healthy, but after they took their jabs, they ended up dying. They ended up in serious 
uh, uh, conditions in hospitals. The variants in the Omicron family, BA5 and BA4, together are now the dominant strains in Illinois and across the country, according to medical experts and data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Right now, basically, everybody is susceptible to this, said uh, Emily London Landon, an epidemiologist at the University of Chicago School of Medicine. Everyone! It's like it never happened. Your previous infection or your jabs, they never happened. Everyone, it's a blank slate. Everybody's basically susceptible to this again. So they can start the whole, and pardon me, but damned thing over with BA5 and BA4. You know, the least they could have done was gotten the letters right and changed those A's to S's. Because I'd believe it if they called it BS5 and BS4. But that's only part of the story now as they try to ramp back uh, the propaganda back up saying that the uh, COVID virus, the China flu, is, is coming back strong for this fall. Part two of that story involves President Trump and his legal challenge to overturn the 2020 election and what could happen this fall based on the outcome of those elections that will undoubtedly be affected by COVID-19 and this new resurgence that they are forecasting. I'll give you the rest of the details on that. You're going to want to hear it. And then I'm going to want to hear from you. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Always right radio right back. In the age of unreason, always write radio with Bob France and the answer. 937 now, always write radio, online at alwayswrite.us. So let me give you the second half of the story before I go to your phone calls. As they, uh, as they push this new narrative or this repeated narrative that COVID or a resurgence of COVID in some sort of subvariant form is going to uh, be here in the fall, there's clear, there's no doubt that they're timing this up with the 2022 midterms that we have all been pointing to for two solid years now, saying this is when we can kind of stop the bleeding. The horrific state this country has fallen into, uh, we can, we can really start to undo the damage when we take the power back in, in 2022. So that's what this is all geared toward. There's no question about it. Now let's talk about what happens in those elections. This is a Newsweek story that I really, really wish wasn't there. And I'll explain why in a second. It might make you mad at first, but I want you to keep listening, okay? Trump lawyer says he will be reinstated as president if GOP win midterms. Wait, what? Yeah. Christina Bob, an attorney who has supported Donald Trump's legal challenge to overturn the 2020 election, has suggested a scenario in which the former president could be reinstated after the midterm elections in November. Do you understand what that means? They're not saying that he could run again in 2024. They're saying that after the midterm elections in November, if the Republicans win, they could remove Joe Biden from the presidency and give the office back to Donald Trump. Now, I don't even need to read the absurdity that's in the article to point out the absurdity. It's uh, self-reflective. I mean, it it really is. You have to understand the insanity of that. But what it does do is something very, very dangerous. What it does do is it just increases 
the drive, the passion, the fervor for the American left to do whatever they have to do to cheat to win these 2020 midterm or 22 midterms. Just like they were driven by their hatred of orange man bad, that they cheated and committed fraud all across the most important battleground states in this country to steal the election to stop the, 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 the man that they believe to be the orange Hitler. This is going to be the response in November as well. If you've got Trump attorneys saying, if we win the midterms, we can replace, or we can restore Trump to the White House. What do you think that does to the wild fanatical left? If you thought they would crawl through broken glass to vote against the Republican Party, against the Republican takeover, that red wave, that tsunami we talk about, if you thought they were motivated before, wait until you see what they'll be willing to do, legally and illegally, if they really believe that Donald Trump could actually take Joe Biden's place. This is one of the most absurd things that I've ever read. But it's out there. And liberals read Newsweek. Christina Bob, the attorney, told uh, the conservative news outlet, the Right Side Broadcasting Network, what she thought could happen in states in which there was evidence that Joe Biden cheated in the in the election, that Trump and his allies have continuously claimed was fraudulent. They could withdraw their electors, or they could actually decide to award Trump electors. Although I would highly I would anticipate they will probably just withdraw the electors, she said. If that happens from three different states, three different resolutions go into Congress, she said. It would then be up to Congress to decide whether they want to accept the resolutions, whether they want to act on them or not. It's a complex issue, she said, that needs to be handled complexly. Is that really a word? It's there by uh, different state legislators in U.S. Congress, but I actually think it's designed well because you don't want this to be something you can just quickly, easily, you can quickly or easily overturn elections. It needs to be something that you need many, many elected officials to take action on in the majority of three different legislators. I don't know if this, is, if this Congress would take action on it. However, after 22, she said, there might be, who knows. So she's suggesting that when the Republicans take back over, if they win in November, that they would then force these states, or not force, but that they could push these states into withdrawing their electors, the ones in which there were uh, obvious cases of fraud. And when they do that, then they could withdraw those electors, appoint new ones, and those new ones could cast their ballots, not for Joe Biden, but because of the fraud, cast them for Donald Trump, returning Trump to power long before 2024. Now... (laughs) like I said, I said you might not like what you're going to hear when I say this, but I think this attorney, Christina Bob, is an idiot. And this is not, of course, because I wouldn't rather have Donald Trump in, in the White House right now instead of Joe Biden. If we had Donald Trump in the White House now instead of Joe Biden, 99% of the problems we're dealing with right now, including $4.5 gas, would not be a problem. But this is just dumb. This just incentivizes, pushes, urges, threats, taunts, dares liberal Democrats to cheat to win the midterms so that they can stop the orange man bad in the same way that they did in in, uh, November of 2022. I just find this extremely, this is extremely poor judgment of her to say these things out loud. For Christina Bob, a Trump attorney, to say that things are in the works 
to overturn the 2020 election by winning in November of 2022 and then possibly getting three states to decertify the results and send the resolutions to the next Congress, the Republican-controlled Congress, uh, to, to overturn the results is dangerous. I don't even know if it's legal, by the way. I don't even know if she's right. But even if she is, to to think it, to say it, to threaten, and again, to dare the Democrats to stop it is just bad politics. It's just a bad idea for all of us. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Let's go to the phones. Uh, Sally and Berea, thank you for waiting. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hi, Bob. I agree with you about the danger of having uh, them pull a trick with the uh, danger of the... um virus to have mail-in ballots and i actually had a phone call to you months ago with mm-hmm. concerns that they would pull this trick if if at all possible so i think we have to be very wary um i'm also heart sick about all the soldiers the dedicated and well-trained soldiers who were thrown out of the military because of simply because of their refusal to get the covid shots um so I, I think we really have to be very uh, proactive and, and aggressive to guard these midterm elections and not take them for granted. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sally. I appreciate the call. I'll respond to a couple of those points. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's twofold when you talk about the military personnel who were booted from the military. It's terrible for them because it's just completely unwarranted it's unconscionable to boot professionals who have dedicated their careers to protecting and defending the united states because they refuse to submit to tyranny and take a shot uh that that may indeed make them ill it may indeed kill them that will not vaccinate them or immunize them against a a a virus like covid19 it's bad for them but moreover it's bad for us it's bad for all of us. It's bad for the military. It's bad for the country because it weakens us. Do you know how low the military recruitment is right now? I mean, they are somewhere in the neighborhood of 40% of their recruiting goals for 2022. They are so far behind because they can't get people to sign up. When people are being signed up for, well, if you come in, you're going to have to take this shot. And a lot of people are like, no, I'm not doing it. Don't want it. When you sign up, by the way, you might be in a shower with people of the opposite sex. Wait, what? Yeah, and if you call one of your uh, one of your platoon mates or one of your superior officers by the wrong pronouns, you're going to get reprimanded and maybe drummed back out of the service. Wait, what? Yes. So you're right. I feel terrible for those who have been booted from the military, those who are not going to want to go into the military, but I feel bad not only for them but for us as well. And as far as, you know, the, uh, what they're trying to do the, do the election, this trick, as you're calling it, that is exactly right. I have long feared this, and so have a lot of other people. I thought, however, I, maybe this is naivete. Uh, I don't usually consider myself to be naive, but this might be an example of, of being naive. Um, I just thought that 2020 and 2022 are two years apart. They can't still be pushing COVID two years later. They can't do it again in 2022, what they pulled in November of 2020, right? I mean, it's two years later. I mean, how long can they push, you know, make, make that same uh, song play and make us dance to that same song? But you know what? They found a way, and it's called variant and subvariant. 
And that's what they do. COVID-19 in its original form, the OG, might not be a concern anymore, but Omicron, Omicron is still a concern. And once Omicron, you know, there's uh, the BS5 and the BS4 that are that are still there. And those are even more dangerous and deadly than Omicron. So we're back to z- square one. You know, we're back to, to ground zero, whatever it is you want to call it. Everybody is still at risk now. If you've had COVID, doesn't matter against these variants. If you've had the jabs, doesn't matter against these variants. That is exactly what it is. It's a planned trick as you call it it's a planned um you know attempt to to deny us democracy and that's the most frustrating part about it the left which continues to hold these ridiculous show trials and try to focus our attention on them on the january 6th uh situation because it was an attack on democracy everything is an attack on democracy except for when it's an actual attack on democracy like when they are trying to stop us from having free and fair elections when they try to attack democracy by playing the variant game, and oh, looks like we're going to have to, uh, yeah, we're going to have to have that uh, mail-in voting thing again, and uh, you know the whole thing about the uh, about the postmarks. Yeah, don't worry about when it gets sent, and as long as it arrives in a decent amount of time, we'll count it, depending on what vote it shows. By the way, um, you know, so it doesn't matter what the postmark says. It doesn't matter if there's a valid signature on it or not. We just, you know, we'll just roll. We'll just roll with it because, uh, you know, we don't want people to get in line, you know, with the variant looming and all of that. I mean, this is, you want to, let me give you another example, just super quick before I go back, of how bad, how badly this Democrat leadership wants to hold on to their power. They are willing to, to challenge the most egregious, make the, or rather make the most egregious challenges to the most commonly sensible uh, voting reform laws, such as, I don't know, proving that you're an American citizen. How about that? Proving that you're an American citizen. That's not, that's not like out, out of bounds, is it? That's kind of crazy. The idea that, you know, saying, hey, you have to be an American to vote in the American election, that should be a, something we can all agree on, right? Nope. Because Arizona has passed a law saying that anybody who casts a vote in Arizona must be an American citizen. Shocker. What a terror, what a horrible thing. The idea that we even needed to pass a law to, to, to declare something so obvious and so straightforward and so simple is just silly. But they did. And the Biden DOJ, the Department of Justice, has filed a lawsuit against Arizona to stop them from demanding that people be American citizens when they vote in American elections. This was uh, this was just this past Tuesday, one week ago today, the Department of Justice filed a complaint against Arizona's House Bill 2492 claiming it violates the National Voter Registration Act of 1993 and the Civil Rights Act of 1964. As of March 31st, or excuse me, as of March, 31,500 current voters would be impacted by the law in Arizona, which is set to take effect uh, in January, the law's critics say some of the voters, uh, excuse me, some voters such as students and elderly or tribal members may not have the documentation the state requires. They can't prove that they're American citizens? Are you serious? So the DOJ cast its lawsuit as an effort to protect the voices of those that would be stifled otherwise. Otherwise known as non-Americans trying to attack democracy. This is literally, literally democracy in uh, under attack, under assault. If you allow foreign nationals to come into the United States say, I don't have documentation, but I want to vote anyway, okay, go ahead and vote. You have attacked American democracy. 
It is just that simple. The Attorney General in Arizona, Mark Burnovich, said in addition to free rooms and transportation for those illegally entering our country, the DOJ now wants to give them a chance to vote. Um, it, it's another round of Burnovich versus Biden. I will once again be in court defending Arizona against the lawlessness of the Biden administration. Uh, he said, referring to past battles with the administration as they seek to reassert their authority against what they say is federal overreach. It, how can it not be? How can it be anything other than that? I mean, every state should have a law that says, yeah, got to be an American to cast a vote. Shouldn't be that tough. Got to be an American to cast a vote. If you can't prove you're an American, can't cast a vote. It's that simple. It is not that hard to be able to prove you're an American. Identifications are free for people who can't afford to buy them, and they're easy to obtain everywhere. Birth certificates, social security cards, all these things can be used to approve citizenship before you cast a vote. And they are trying to stop that. Why? Because illegal voters are going to be Democrat voters. That's not hard to figure out, is it? Uh, TJ in Cleveland. Thanks for waiting, TJ. Go ahead. Yeah, hi, Bob. You know, Bob, one thing always puzzled me about this covid for two years, every week we heard the death count, you know, from COVID. But what didn't we hear for them two years? How many people died of the annual flu? We didn't hear nobody. Uh, they didn't push the annual flu shots for two years. You know, they, they would advertise that all the time on TV. Get your annual flu shot. Get your annual. But for some reason, that was just put on the back burner, and it was just nothing but COVID, COVID, COVID. Uh, that's kind of puzzling, isn't it? Like, what no. happened to the annual flu? Yeah, no, it's not puzzling at all. It's exactly what you are suspecting. Were, were them shots bullcrap too? You know, for the annual flu every year. Well, you know, they were. Good. No, I believe they were crap, just like this COVID shots. Well, I've known the, the over flu the shots. Years, many, many people got their flu shot every year and come down with horrible cases of the flu. Yeah, the the flu shots have always been a roll of the dice. Every time, anyway, because, I mean, they admit this. They say there's no perfect or way to perfectly determine what the flu, the flu strain is going to look like every year. So they use their best guesses, their best models, their best estimates, and they say, we think this is going to be the one that is the best, and that's the one they pump out there. Uh, sometimes it, it is, and it's correct, and it may lessen symptoms if somebody gets it. Sometimes it's not, and sometimes it makes people really, really, really sick. You're exactly right. But the fact that they stopped counting flu deaths, the fact that they stopped counting, and thank you for the call, TJ, is very, very crucial to the point you're making here. They stopped counting them all together. They wanted you to think that anybody and everybody died with flu-like symptoms, which happened to be COVID-like symptoms. They all died from COVID. That's the reason you didn't get a flu death count. You were on it, and I knew you were. Because anybody that died of the flu, they recorded as COVID deaths because the symptoms were virtually identical. 954, right back on Always Right Radio. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. 
Hour number two now underway at 8 minutes past 10 o'clock on this Tuesday, the 12th morning of the 7th month of the year of our Lord, 2022. If you're tuning in right now for Peter Kersenow, as I said at the top of the show, and I'll repeat, I've got bad news and I've got good news. The bad news is Peter Kersenow is not here today. He's traveling for work. He will be on tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel. The good news is he is being replaced by a phenomenal guest, one of our favorite people to talk to, and one of the hardest working journalists in the state of Ohio. He founded the Ohio Press Network, or excuse me, I founded the Ohio Press Network. He is also our state house reporter working for us for AM 1420, The Answer in Columbus, bringing you all of the news that you need to know. And of course, I speak of our good friend Jack Windsor. Jack, welcome back to our program, my friend. It's been a little bit wow. since we've had you on, Jack. How you been, buddy? Yeah. Hey, I'm super fantastic. Thanks for the reception. It's good to be back home um, with with our family of listeners. Yes, uh, it, it's always good to have you, and I know they always enjoy listening to you. So we've got a couple of really important things to talk about today, including something you wrote for the Ohio Press Network that I read last night as I was browsing your site, as I do daily. Uh, and you wrote about, well, something that's in the news these days, and that is um, the binary and as as you know, the left doesn't want you to believe this, but uh, the way most of us consider it, ain't but two genders, two genders, Repeat ain't nothing but men and women. One more time, there, Joe. Repeat the line. Ain't but two genders. <laughs> um, that's not the same binary that you're talking about, though, is it, uh, Jack Windsor? No, that's fantastic. By the way, no, that's it Pastor isn't. Mark you know, Robinson, who's the lieutenant governor in North Carolina. You've never heard that before. <laughs> I have, but I love how you how you uh, sneak the uh, Joe Biden uh, <laughs> clip in there. That that's what got me. Oh, this is uh, forever. Repeat the line. Yeah, this repeat is the line. that's a forever line. line. Any, any time and anything and everything that he has ever said is ridiculous as it sounds. It, it's going to be followed up repeat by the line. and we're going to hear it again. I mean, seriously, it's just that's just the. Uh, you know, it. it just works. It just works. I'm sick of this stuff. Yeah, I'm sure you are. Uh, there, Joe. So are we. Trust me on that one. You know the you uh, know the thing. Repeat the line. <laughs> you know the you know the thing. I'm sorry, we're having way too much fun with this. No, no, no. Hey, Bob, we can sum America up in one word. <laughs> yeah, that's probably it. Hold on, let me see if I can improve upon that here real quick. Uh, where are you? Where are you, Joe? Where are you? True international suffered pressure. That's the one. <laughs> that pretty much there sums up the Biden presidency right now. Vladimir Putin was a bad dude. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose so. All right, Jack, let's 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 dive into what's going on in America now because your article yeah. is actually actually a very good one and it's very poignant and I think it's very uh, it's very astute. Uh, when you talk about people who make everything essentially black and white, everything is is is, and, and that's not a race thing. That just means uh, it's too too very simple and obvious. There's no gray area for anything. These are binary thinkers uh, yep. that you are calling out for being critical of binary thinking and binary choices. Why don't you explain? Yeah, so it's it's been stunning to me that to I, I engage with people all the time, um, you know, different ilks and ideologies, um, and many of them are deriding what what we called binary thinking, um, which is, like you said, black and white, right or wrong. But the interesting part is that these folks who are really um, fired up about binary thinking, they don't seem to look back to their own belief that's ahead of their emotions and their opinions and thoughts on certain topics. And that's really come out on, you know, what, what we would call progressive public policy and, and particularly the abortion issue. And as I wrote, you know, I know I'm painting with broad strokes here, 
But the general point that I'm trying to make is that there are folks who say, um, if you come out against a progressive policy or if you come out, you know, pro-life in, in your, in your, in your argument, um, in, in their minds, that's wrong. They want to call you small-minded Trumpers, bigots, racist, patriarchs, toxic males, threats to democracy, regressives. And those are just some of the labels that we've seen attached to people that they would call binary thinkers. But here's the interesting part. People who are criticizing binary thinking are actually succumbing to the very thing that they criticize. And I said, if you don't believe me, the next time you engage with someone who leans left or is a progressive on matters of public policy or abortion, just see how far the discussion advances before you hear something like, you're an ignorant racist Trump supporter, or you're, you're just an oppressive man telling the woman what to do. And when you just pause in that for a minute, those remarks, they may not be verbatim, by the way, but those remarks are emotional responses and opinions that are actually rooted in the binary thinking that these people are criticizing. And they come from the, either one of two beliefs, usually one, orange man bad, conservatism is bad, progressivism, and anyone but Trump is good. And then belief two, women are good, nurturing, superior, and men are evil, toxic, and not worthy of deciding on matters of life. So it's really interesting over the past couple of weeks, um, oftentimes people will leave with this, well, you're just a binary thinker, you're not uh, part of the intelligentsia, you're not smart enough, but you go, you know, uh, 10 feet down the road in the discussion, and you go, oh, wait a minute. Your argument is absolutely binary. So it was intriguing, and I thought I would uh, spin something up and publish it last night, and I'm glad you stumbled upon it and found it interesting. Yeah, I did. Uh, And I want to follow up on it a little bit here, too, because, you know, when you talk about binary thinking versus I don't know what the opposite would be, so what you've done, I think, is very good, is you talk about being an and thinker or an or thinker, because the or thinkers are the binary thinkers. Everything is either black or white, up or down, good or bad, and, and the and thinkers know that there is a level of complexity to most things. Now, that's most things. Now, some things, I think some things are binary. You are either pro-life or you are pro-death. I don't think there's a there's a whole lot of gray there. You, you either believe in abortion rights or you don't believe that killing babies under any circumstances is, is an acceptable thing. So t- tell me, you know, and I think you kind of already did here a little bit when, when you describe them as and or or thinkers. Yeah, so... Um... You kind of hit it. Um, and the example I used to use, and I hope I can spit this out succinctly, um, I remember at one point I was consulting and I had a I had a meeting set. And I had a meeting set at a particular time. And um, then I actually had a second engagement at the time. I had to take somebody to pick something up. They had a car in the shop. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I double booked, right? And so my my initial response would have been, hey, I either need to have the strategy appointment or I need to help this person get to, uh, you know, their car in the shop. And, you know, I was trying to exercise. I remember this distinctly back then because I was talking a lot about and versus or. And I went, wait a minute. Okay, can I do both? Well, as soon as I thought about it, I went, well, yeah, wait a minute. What kind of appointment is this? Okay, it's a strategy session. We're just going to talk back and forth. You know what? I can call that person from my phone. Um, and as long as they don't mind and we're not breaching any confidentiality, I can actually conduct the appointment while I'm in the car, taking the person you know, to the shop to get their car. 
And so, you know, it was a really simple way of saying, well, wait a minute, we, I solved that problem by saying I want to be able to do both. Because what happens is when we say or, we go, well, I've got to do this or that, and we don't allow our brains to, to think about any perceived solution, you know, beyond yes or no or, you know, one or the other. And so in some ways, binary thinking is restrictive. But uh, as you mentioned, there are certain things where it's you either are, you believe in this or that. Um, But I think the biggest issue for me is that if someone is going to deride binary thinking um, and, and attempt to call out their ideological opponent on the basis of it, they should probably check themselves and make sure they're not perpetuating the alleged wrong that they're trying to point out, um, you know, in, in the eye of somebody else. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, um, you know, that's very well said. You know, in, a lot of what you just said is kind of pointing the finger at the left. You know, you say, you know, normally they'll say, you know, you're a racist and anybody except for Trump, orange man bad and anything, anybody except for Trump, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it does go on both sides, though, because I consider myself to be about as conservative as they come, and as such, I mm-hmm. am a believer in the death penalty. If you tell me, if you ask me, I'm probably going to say, you know, that's I'm an I'm an or uh, thinker on this. It is black or white. You're either pro death penalty or not. However, I I kind of you know I, I'm I'm I think I'm an and thinker on it as well because just yesterday I can't remember which uh, local news channel it was on. But I saw the story of another individual who had just been set free after serving years and years in prison and only now finding out he was wrongfully convicted. You can yep. you can let a guy out who's been wrongfully convicted, and you still can't replace the years he lost in prison, but he's at least still alive. If you execute somebody who's wrongly convicted, we've got a very, very serious problem here. So, so there, you know, even when you might think it's an or, you know, an or situation or a binary situation, there's still room for complexity if you are willing to open your mind up and consider the other side of the, the argument. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Bob, I'm going to be really frank and vulnerable here. I, I come off just as binary as anyone else. One of the things that I think is so dangerous about the cancel culture is exactly what you just said. It prohibits nuance. It prohibits complexity. It prohibits diving in and looking at a situation on the merits of, you know, of, the, of its own facts. And so, you know, we're kind of caught up in this loop, if you will, of, okay, you believe this, so I'm going to tie it to this, to tie it to this, to tie it to this. And you see it on social media every day. If you believe this, you're Biden. If you believe this, you're Trump. If you believe this, you're Biden. If you believe this, you're Spectrum. It's just, um, and that's the part that, that my heart aches for is I think that there is a lot of complexity and there's a lot of uh, middle ground that we have, but we are so polarized as a country right now. Um, I, I think we're blind to being able to see and make decisions based on commonality instead of really focusing on what divides us. Yeah, and that's good. Uh, and I'm glad you're vulnerable and honest on that because I think that's how we move past some of that is we have to recognize it and see it in ourselves and, and hopefully, uh, you know, not, you know, not, uh, replicate the, you know, the, the, I don't want to say bad behavior, but that kind of mindset that we don't like in other people. We're talking to Jack Windsor. He is the uh, founder and the editor in chief of the, um, uh, Ohio Press Network, which you can find online at theohiopressnetwork.com. Jack, um, I want to talk about another story now. I want to pivot here. There was a Newsweek, Newsweek article released last week about the Ohio Senate race between J.D. Vance, who won a very tough fight in the Republican primary against Tim Ryan, who did not have a tough fight in his Democrat primary to replace Rob Portman. Newsweek says that uh, Tim Ryan is simply crushing J.D. Vance, at least at this particular stage in that can, those campaigns and in this election fight. You've got um, something you want to share with us? 
Yeah, so first of all, that, that headline really captured my attention. Uh, I have a friend in the Cincinnati area who sent me the article, and I went, wait a minute. And so I dove into it, and as you said, they released the results of a series of five surveys um, that they put under the banner headline of Tim Ryan crushing J.D. Vance. And that article caused immediate backlash. It had to, because within hours, the headline was changed to Tim Ryan leading J.D. Vance in Ohio Senate poll, anti-Vance group says. And the article was also edited to provide more insight into the political action committee that commissioned the survey, which is called uh, Center Street PAC, and, and they have some Ohio connection. And so, um, you know, <laughs> first of all, even though the headline was changed and the story was changed, you know, the desired effect of grabbing attention during the morning news cycle, um, it, by the way, it was published by Microsoft uh, Networks so MSN, and now it's trickled down into other news outlets across the country. So that original headline still shows up on some search pages, and, you know, it might have had the desired effect. But there were some red flags, Bob. Um, and, you know, the first red flag was that it showed Tim Ryan up by 12 points among registered voters and nine points among what they would call likely voters. And 538, um, which, you know, every every pollster kind of has their strength and weakness, but 538 actually has Vance winning in 84 out of 100 chances. So, you know, that, that caused me to pause. And so as we dove in a little more, um, you know, obviously the report headline changing, the story changing, kind of made me scratch my head even more. And then I reached out to the reporter from Newsweek, and then I did some digging, and I thought, well, wait a minute, this guy lives in Limerick, Ireland. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> um, no, true story. Um, and, and he has not yet responded to my questions for comment. Um, and then I did reach out to the political action committee that sponsored the poll. And I found out that they were started after January 6th to, in their words, protect people like Liz Cheney, uh, of the world. And, uh, they say that she did the right thing. And one of the founders actually called candidates like JD Vance and Lauren Boebert crap bags, but he didn't use the word crap and said that their mission is to ensure the defeat of these crap bags who deny the results of the 2020 election and who are out spreading stolen elections, bull crap, if you will, but he didn't say crap. Um, and then, you know, the PAC has also endeavored to conduct polling and push reporting on other races. And Bob, I'll read these really quickly. And you tell me if you notice any common themes. Uh, Liz Cheney's race in Wyoming, uh, J.D. Vance and Tim Ryan, Lauren Boebert and Adam Frisch, uh, Anthony Sabatini and Rusty Roberts in Florida's 7th District. In Washington's third district, uh, Herrera Butler and, and Joe Kent. And then in Utah's fourth district, Jake Hunsker and Burgess Owens. Um, what would you think those races have in common? Tell us. Uh, these other races, uh, are people who have, they involve people who have been endorsed by Trump and people who embrace the America First agenda. Um, and then, you know, the, the poll that was cited by Newsweek also uh, mentions the lead that Tim Ryan has in another poll from a group called Grow Progress. Now, let me just read you some of the verbiage from Bro- <laughs> Grow Progress's online presence. Just by their name alone, I know what they're going to have here, but go ahead. <laughs> Trusted traditional tools need an update. Progressives spend a lot of time and money 
to change minds, but far too often it has zero impact or even backfires. That's why we built Grow Progress. Our tools are different. Grow Progress builds tools that help causes and companies persuade more people for good. So uh, we're diving in a little bit more uh, in this story. But I did reach out to Robert Cahaley of uh, the Trafalgar Group, and I know you probably have heard of Robert, and, and certainly Trafalgar covered a lot of, course, of the GOP. In the, in the governor's race, race. yeah, they spent, yeah, they, yeah, they were very prominent in the, in the governor's race, too. And Robert Cahaley, and I don't, I don't have it in front of me, so I can't repeat his quote verbatim, but he said, hey, it's kind of refreshing. <laughs> I think backhanded compliment here. Uh, I think it's kind of refreshing that Center Street PAC is actually telling voters what they're about. Um, and he said, you know, any, any group that is similar to the Lincoln Project that, that, that pushes out a poll, um, and, you know, any voter is probably not going to take that very seriously. But interestingly enough, um, you know, similar to Joe Biden's, you know, 10-year-old story last week, certainly didn't reach that level of, um, uh, you know, fire that, that his comments uh, made, uh, the comments that he made and, and how that, you know, set ablaze that whole uh, issue. But this this did have a, you know, a similar effect in that people are starting to go, well, wait a minute, maybe Tim's, Tim Ryan's coming awake. You know, oh, he, he raised $9.1 million. He, he might be up by nine points. And the reality is he isn't. Um, and, and so we're going to publish um, a little bit more in-depth uh, coverage on this Newsweek article and that poll uh, later today. At that, the is a, Press Network. that is outstanding work, and I'm glad you're on top of that, Jack. And, and just in the minute or two I have left here, and I don't even really have those, since you brought up Biden and the 10-year-old story, uh, you know, I, I, I spent some time on this yesterday looking for any evidence whatsoever of somebody being charged with raping a 10-year-old. If they're so, they know this is a rape of a 10-year-old. Exactly when it was, six weeks and three three days uh, to, to the mm-hmm. moment uh, in which she became impregnated. Uh, any doctor here in Ohio that sent this particular young girl to the doctor out in Indiana to have this abortion. Uh, there, there is literally zero corroboration. Zero. There is nothing except the word of one pro-abortion doctor in Indiana trying to say mm-hmm. that our neighbors uh, to the east in Ohio uh, can't get abortions, and I need some kind of an extreme example. And I think they put their mm-hmm. little heads together and said, this is what we're going to do, six weeks. First of all, J- Jack, Ohio does not have a six-week abortion law. It is specific to the heartbeat. It is not six yes. weeks and three days or six weeks and one day or, you know, at five weeks and six days, you can have it. But on day number week number six, the day it flips over to six weeks, you can't. It's just that the heartbeat is generally, generally able to be yes. detected at about six weeks, quote, about six weeks. So they're trying to play hard and fast with the six-week number. They f- they fabricated a scenario in which everybody would be aghast that the state of Ohio wouldn't dare allow this girl to have this procedure done so she doesn't have to endure you know the, the, the entire thing, Jack. It's just so much garbage, and I'm looking for somebody to investigate it and prove it. Yeah, so Megan Fox has done a really good job, and I intend to reach out to Megan. Megan's an investigative journalist, and uh, she had the same suspicion that you did right off the bat, which was the idea was that this girl was six weeks and three days pregnant, and she went, wait a minute, Ohio has a heartbeat bill. They don't have a six-week bill. And, you know, her first question was, well, why didn't they call legislators? Why didn't they get clarification? Why did they just ship her across? And then, as you mentioned, so so that is a serious red flag. You go, well, wait a minute, is, is this, you know, meant to 
siphon rage and, and, you know, put it toward the cause of, you know, loosening these abortion laws. And the other issue that's really interesting is that, as you mentioned, the doctors are mandatory reporters. So if, and I can't even, it's hard for me to even talk about this, but I mean, if there's, if there's a child that was raped and is pregnant, the doctor who, who knows that in Ohio is, is required to report that. The doctor who knows that in Indiana is required to report that. FOIA requests have been made in the state of Ohio, in the state of Indiana, and nothing has been produced. So the question becomes, is this a real matter? And I think the other issue that um, was brought to light um, that's stunning to me, why why isn't anyone talking about the rapists who's out there? Why why is that story not something that's caught fire? Why are we not looking for the person that perpetuated this crime? So there's a uh, a lot wrong with that story, but it doesn't sit well in my gut. For several reasons, if it did happen, my God, that's awful. Uh, but but secondly, if it did happen, uh, it seems like that uh, there's a lot wrong with what could have been done and should have been done that wasn't done. No question about it. We look forward to seeing a follow-up uh, uh, story and report on this from the Ohio Press Network. Everyone, make sure that you are reading that daily. I check it daily. That's how I found Jack's story on Binary Thinkers. It was terrific. Uh, just make sure you visit the com every day. Jack Windsor, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you for the great info. God bless you, Bob. Talk to you soon. You too. It's 1029. We'll go to news now and come back. Always right radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Repeat the line. AM 1420, The Answer. of happiness always right radio with bob france on the answer Ten thirty-eight now thanks for being with us on always right radio the uh links to the stories that jack windsor and i just discussed are up right now at uh always us always us under the uh today's top news section Make sure you scroll that down. That's a drop-down. If you go there and you think there's just one or two stories there, no, just keep scrolling down in that part. Put your cursor over the stories there, and you're going to get the top 20 stories of the day that I literally rank myself and I put up there for you so that you can uh, make sure you know exactly what we've been talking about. So that story from Jack Windsor on Binary Thought and on um, uh, the Newsweek article. And the and, and this one is even bigger, and I want to I follow up on this real quick. As we talked about Joe Biden, and this was a big part of yesterday's show because yesterday's show was featured, or, or excuse me, centered lo- largely on uh, media misinformation, media propaganda, and how we cannot trust these places where we're supposed to get our news to make the decisions that, that, that matter to us, whether it be on elections, electing people to represent us, or, or or decisions we make on purchasing and buying, whatever it is that we have, you know, that we need information on. You know, we turn to media so much, and media lets us down so much, and the media propagated this story of an, a 10-year-old girl in Ohio being um, uh, being raped here in Ohio and then having it discovered that she was pregnant six weeks and three days after the alleged rape. Six weeks and three days later, and well, the media breathlessly reported that you know there was a doctor here who was caring for her who realized that they couldn't do anything to uh, alleviate the child's problem here. In other words, aborting the rape baby that's inside of this ten-year-old. So because because it was three days past the Ohio six-week limit, 
And and so this doctor, in great concern for the child's well-being, contacted a doctor in Indiana and said, can we transport her to Indiana because we can't do the abortion of the rape baby here in this 10-year-old. you got to do it over there. And the Indiana doctor said, yes, bring that baby or bring that 10-year-old to me and we'll we'll abort that baby here. And then she made a point of contacting Indianapolis news outlets to tell them about it. Well, the problem is she didn't tell them anything. She just said there's a 10-year-old girl who is carrying a rape baby, impregnated, and they didn't find it until three days after the Ohio six-week limit had passed by, so she had to come to Indiana for this service. Didn't tell them anything. Who's the doctor who contacted you? Who's the child? Who's the rapist? Where was the rape uh, committed? What are the details that you have? Nothing. She offered nothing. And the media ran with it anyway. Over, over, it went viral. Over and across the country, the media ran with the story. Totally non-corroborated, non-sourced. So much so, they ran with it so much so that it got to the ears of the pro-abortionist in chief. The pro-baby killer in chief, Joe Biden, used that at, at the stump as he signed his little uh, anti-abortion, or excuse me, his uh, uh, his pro-abortion uh, executive order, which really does a whole lot of nothing. It's mostly symbolic. But he used that story to say, we need to codify Roe right now. We need to codify abortion. Make it federally statu- a federal statute that it is allowed in every state, superseding states' rights. We've got to codify it. All we need is two more votes in the Senate. Putting pressure on Manchin and Sinem, of course. But he used that story. And I told you at the time that story sounded bogus, and now we're finding out even more and more about it. It is bogus. It is complete hogwash. Now, we reached out to the Attorney General of the state of Ohio, Dave Yost, to get him to come on to talk about this. What's going on in this case? Is there a prosecution? Has an arrest been made? Is there an investigation? Are you searching for somebody who raped and impregnated this 10-year-old girl? Because that would lend a lot of credibility to the story. Unfortunately, we have not yet heard back from Dave Yost's office. That's the bad news. The good news is, um, the reason we haven't been able to get a hold of him is because he's been busy on national television with Jesse Waters on Fox News. He was on Jesse Waters' primetime last night. This is the Ohio AG, Dave Yost, talking with Jesse Waters about this terrible situation. Thank you. So how's Ohio investigating the claim that a 10-year-old girl was raped? Are we looking for the rapist on the loose? Let's turn to Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost. So Dave, have you had anybody come to you in your state to say we're looking into this? A police report was filed? Not a whisper. And we work closely with the, we have a decentralized law enforcement system in Ohio. Um, but we have regular contact with the prosecutors and local police and sheriffs. Not a whisper anywhere. Something maybe even more telling, Jesse, is my office runs the state crime lab. Any case like this, you're going to have a rape kit. You're going to have biological evidence. And you would be looking for DNA uh, analysis, which we do most of the DNA analysis in Ohio. There is no case request for analysis that looks anything like this. Yeah, and if 
it's if it's a family member, then it's even an easier way to find the DNA right there. You just call the father, the uncle, the grandfather, anything, and you and you and you get the guy's DNA and you lock him up. It's also a crime. To- That's an important part, by the way, that we have not discussed. If it is incest, if it is an incestual rape. It is going to be very, very easy to find that rapist. And it would be very, very easy to arrest him. And it would be very, very easy for the media to report on that. And then for the media or for the President of the United States to say, see, I told you so. But they're not doing that. Why aren't they doing that? Because there is no rape. And there was no 10-year-old girl. And there is no incest. And this entire thing has been made up by the radical, rabid, death cult known as the democrat party and its allies and associates in the media that are so desperate to be able to keep killing babies so that women can can't be inconvenienced by the uh the the struggles of having a baby that they didn't plan for so they get to rip it limb from limb they get to destroy the baby and that's the the fact that this has been limited by uh state legislatures in any way shape or form is just too much for them to bear to hide child rape isn't isn't it against the law if you have a 10-year-old girl come in? Obviously, she's not of the age of consent. They have to report that to law enforcement. And if they don't, that abortion doctor or any doctor should be prosecuted in your state, correct? That's correct. Um, now, the doctor in Indiana isn't in our jurisdiction, obviously. We don't know who the originating doctor in Ohio was. Because there was no doctor, and she made this entire thing up. If they even exist. But the bottom line is, uh, it is a crime if you're a mandated reporter to fail to report. It's also the fact that in Ohio, uh, the rape of a 10-year-old means life in prison. I know our prosecutors and cops in this state. There's not one of them that wouldn't be turning over every rock in their jurisdiction if they had the slightest hint that this had occurred there. Yeah, they'd be licking their chops to lock up some sicko like that. Well, so so that we'll end it there because I just want you to understand the point. We're trying to get hold of Dave Yost, and we will continue to. We can usually have him on for a little bit longer than the TV side can. They usually get these interviews for three, four, five minutes, and we'll go into more depth on this. But the bottom line is, as both Jesse Waters and Dave Yost, our attorney general, pointed out, if there was a rape, and this doctor in Indiana knew it. She is a mandated reporter. She has to report that to law enforcement to uh, uh, that there was a rape occurred so that an investigation can be done. So that what? So that that rapist doesn't rape other girls or kids, period. That's why it's a mandated reporting situation. If there's a child rapist on the loose, you don't just in the interest in the privacy of the child, just bury it. You have to report it. It's the law. And we're not hearing one single scintilla of evidence that an investigation is underway to find the rapist of this 10-year-old who had to tragically go to Indiana to abort her uh, rapist's baby. We're, we're being lied to. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Uh, let's go to Middleburg Heights. Dan, thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Go, go ahead, Dan. Hi. Uh, you almost took away uh, all my thunder here by playing that because you hadn't mentioned that uh, yesterday or anything, you know. Yeah, well, that uh, just or, happened. Earlier that, today. I, I was going to say, that just happened last night on but uh, Jesse Waters' There were show. two parts that uh, you just cut off that he finished that you didn't mention. Okay, well, then why don't, we, why don't we let you bring that thunder? The, the, you said right after that that in Ohio, it's the death penalty 
a face, you're faced with a death penalty if a guy rapes a 10-year-old girl like that. And yes. also, what proves they were lying from the beginning, Yost, and you can follow this up because I heard it on Jesse last night, Yost mm-hmm. also said that girl in Ohio, according to law, wouldn't have to go to Indiana, so nobody would ever call Indiana because Ohio, under law, would help that girl in every way to solve her, uh, her rape problem. Which I assume means, uh, uh, let's face it, she's a 10-year-old girl. I'm not sure her body, I'm not a doctor, but I don't think her body can handle a, a birth, possibly. It Agreed. might kill her. Yeah. So they yeah. may have to abort her. Yeah, carrying carrying the child when you are a child, like that is a very, very serious situation that could indeed, what if it's could an indeed put, baby, put you know? the, yeah, <laughs> it could indeed put the mother's life in danger. In this case, I hate to call so, it so a mother. So said, but... he, quoting him, he said, we would help her. There ain't no doctor in Ohio that has to go to Indiana to this other girl. So they're outright lying. Uh, that whole Democratic Party has to be destroyed. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I I don't disagree. I know that sounds uh, it sounds extreme, Dan, but it, but you're right. It's I the mean, truth. They, there's nothing they will do, or nothing rather they nothing. won't do. No depth to which they will not stoop to be able to advance their agenda. And in this particular case, the agenda is the right to kill babies on demand and without apology. And so they had to create a story that nobody could possibly disagree with. Oh my gosh, we we should be outraged that a ten year old rape victim had to leave the state because of three days past a six week law that doesn't even exist. They had to literally make something up so that we would all be outraged and they would generate more support for their uh, their uh, call for codifying Roe. That's what this all Incredible. It's not just Joe Biden. It's the Democratic Party. Let him stand there in front of the whole damn country spewing this garbage. Well, they didn't let him. They probably fed it to him. You know, well, he's right. too, he's too stupid point. and too, yeah. Yes. I mean, <laughs> it's not him. Yeah. It's whoever's pulling his strings. They, they gave him instructions. Nothing. They gave him instructions and watched right. him do it, knowing full well they had no corroboration whatsoever. Knowing These full are well dangerous that people. Yes, They're they dangerous. Are. Yes, they are. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate the call. God bless. Uh, Dan is exactly right. They are dangerous, and if I had my druthers, yes, the Democrat Party would be destroyed. And yes, that sounds like I am a binary thinker. I'm an or thinker, like Jack uh, Windsor was just talking about. And maybe I am. When it comes to, you know, I, I once said something, and I quoted Matt Walsh, who is a host and a writer and the movie movie maker. You remember he wrote the book. Uh, he wrote the book. Uh, um, Tommy the Walrus. I think it's Tommy. Anyway, uh, the book about trans the, that drove the left crazy. Amazon rep, uh, employees quit because they uh, had to carry the book and they didn't want anything to do with it. But it's basically the, um, uh, you know, not an anti-trans book, but a truth-telling book for children. And then, of course, he did the movie What About uh, What Is a Woman, which is just out now, really, in the last month or so. Anyway, Matt Walsh said a couple of years ago, and it had to do with abortion and it had to do with a couple of other things, something to the effect of, look... If this is your worldview, there is no getting around those differences between us. And you and I can never be friends. And I don't want to be friends. I don't want to be unified with you. And, and of, of course, I can't remember the exact verbatim w- what he said, but I agreed with it at the time. I read it to you on the radio, and I seconded the emotion. Um, if you are... A believer in some of the things we're talking about 
Now, not all things that we disagree on between right and left, conservative and liberal, conservative and progressive, conservative and Marxist, conservative and socialist. Not everything. But there are some things that, quite frankly, if this is your worldview and your position, I don't strive for unity with you. Everybody likes to say that the goal of the United States should be to unify Unify the country. Remember how unified we were after 9-11? Remember how we came together? And boy, Joe Biden said he was going to come in after Donald Trump, that polarizing, divisive president. No way. Joe Biden's going to come in and unify. I'm going to be the president of Democrats and Republicans, president for everybody. We're going to bring everybody together. That's unity. That's what he wants, unity, right? I don't. Not if unifying with somebody means I have to come to an agreement with and accept their vile, repugnant um, agendas. The vile and repugnant idea of telling an eight-year-old child that you can decide to be something else other than what you were made and that you can start taking chemical Uh, chemicals to stunt your growth, stunt your development, stop your puberty, and then, as soon as you're old enough, we'll put you under a knife and chop off your genitalia and make you something else, all to advance this trendy new trans movement. If you are a a proponent of that, we can't be friends. We can't be civil to one another. We can't be uh, unified with one another. I find you abhorrent. I find you repugnant. I find you to be something that I wouldn't cross the street. And I won't finish that line because you probably know where that was going. I don't want to be friends with people like that. So in that way, back to my conversation with Jack Windsor, in that way, yeah, I can be a binary thinker as well. There is right and there is wrong, and I'm not going to lessen my belief in what is right or accept and believe in something that is wrong in order to achieve unity. I'll be right back. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Always Right Radio, indeed. Thanks for being with us. It's a Tuesday, the 12th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Thanks to Jack Windsor, terrific conversation. Last hour, good phone calls this morning, a lot of very important stuff to talk about. I have posted on alwaysright.us, by the way, um, some of the latest information. Jack mentioned Megan Fox's reporting from PJ Media on the uh, almost guaranteed to be completely 
fabricated story about a 10-year-old rape victim in Ohio having to, tra- uh, to uh, travel to Indiana for an abortion. Um, this story just gets worse and worse the more we dig, because it is so much more clear that it is fake. Joe Biden took it to the national media, used it while he signed his ridiculous executive order, uh, and the left is using it as a reason to codify uh, abortion in federal law and to try to talk uh, legislatures like ours into dropping their heartbeat bills. It is simply a travesty, and it is a joke. So that story and all of the ancillary stories right now online at alwayswrite.us, alwayswrite.us. Listen to this. It's, it's really important that our young recognize the day that they were born here, Benny, is the day that they won the lottery of life, that they got a head start. Yes. Yes. Unlike any other in the world. And the way to do that, I think, and this is what Flag has had such success doing, is making sure that they are tethered to the founding documents of the country. The problem is those founding documents of the country are under constant assault by the American education system, among other entities in the United States. The voice you just heard is that of Nick Adams. He was live on Newsmax television there. Nick is the founder of the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. And if you take the F, the L, and the A, and the G in that name, you get flag. Uh, His organization has made it a mission to teach and educate children the right way uh, and also to find out exactly what they are being taught that is not correct, that is not fair, that is not uh, valid about American history and American culture in K-12 through class, uh, K through 12 classrooms today. And Nick Adams joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Nick, good morning. Good to have you. How are you, sir? Good morning, Bob. It's a pleasure to be with you. I'm delighted to join you and your listeners. Uh, another day here in the greatest country in the history of the world, but unfortunately we're up against it, aren't we? You know, we really are, and I'm so glad. The reason I chose that clip to play from your interview that you did with Benny on Newsmax was you just described privilege. You know, we are being taught, our children are being taught privilege in schools, and they're being taught it as a way of dividing people, saying that if you're white, you have privilege. If you're straight, you have privilege. If you're a male, you have privilege. What you pointed out, and that not enough people are saying, is that every single person in this country has privilege. It's called American privilege. If you were born here, like you said, you won the lottery. Because if you, how many people are born in other countries that are trying and would, would risk their lives legally or illegally to get to this country? And you know what, uh, uh, Nick? There are so many people here who don't have any earthly idea how privileged they really are because they're taught that their country is less than, that their country is oppressive, that it's irredeemably racist and worse. Well, that's exactly right, Bob. You've absolutely nailed it. The reality is that the left love to talk about privilege, but it's always in fictional terms, as you already outlined. It's white privilege, it's male privilege, it's straight privilege. But the truth is that the only privilege in the United States of America, I believe, is American privilege. And I'm particularly passionate about it and excited about it. And I advocate for it every day because I'm somebody that wasn't born with that privilege. I'm somebody that sought that privilege. I came here legally. I became an American citizen. And I love this country, and I know what this country means for the whole world. I know what America's role in the world is, and I know how important it is to have a strong America, because if you don't have a strong America, you have a weak world, 
because the world's fortunes travel with the United States. And the best way to make sure that the whole world suffers and you see America being weak is by depicting the United States as this bad, awful, terrible country. And nothing could be further from the truth. America is the greatest good in the world, always has been. But sadly, tragically, kids are not being taught that. So the moment I immigrated to the United States, capitalising on the platform that I had as a television commentator and best-selling author, I looked and I, I identified that what really needed to happen was that conservatives had more or less totally abandoned, Bob, K-12 schools. It was too hard. We put it in the too hard basket. And we focused on colleges and other things. And look, I'm all about fighting the left wherever we possibly can. But in any war, in any fight, you really have to kind of decide what your priorities are because there are not infinite amounts of time and money that can be spent. And I really think that the damage is done in elementary schools, middle schools, high schools, but it starts the moment an American child enters the gates of their elementary school for the first time. That's when the indoctrination begins. And so I set up this organisation back in 2016, FLAG, the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. Our website is flagusa.org. And that was all about two things, Bob. Number one, teaching kids civics again. And number two, putting patriotism back in K-12 education. And we do it three ways. Number one, through classroom visits. Number two, through the creation and distribution of kid-friendly resources relating to the founding documents. And number three, through professional development training for teachers, where we teach teachers how to teach civics the way that it used to be taught. Back in your day. Well, I'll tell you what, we're talking to Nick Adams. <clears throat> Again, he's the founder for the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. You just heard the website, flagusa.org. I urge you to read it. I urge you to read the About section so you know a little bit more about them. And a little bit more about Nick, too. Mention you're a television commentator, Nick. Also a presidential appointee, a four-time best-selling author and motivational speaker, as well as a stage four cancer survivor. So uh, it looks like you keep a little busy. Uh, and 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 Nick, you just became an American citizen, as you said, and you already know, as somebody who had to take a citizenship test, probably more about the founding of this country, about the principles in this country, about the Constitution and the documents that you referenced in this country, than 95% of Americans do, because we don't teach citizenship anymore. At least, you know, I'll be honest with you, I didn't get taught citizenship. I'm in my mid-50s, and, and, and when I was in school, I didn't get taught citizenship. So so there there are millions and millions of Americans who could probably benefit from being taught a little bit about citizenship and about what this country is really all about. It, and, and it's kind of telling when, when people who come to this country who want to be Americans like you know more about it than people who are blessed and who won that lottery by being born here. Look, a lot of it is a very natural thing, Bob. The reality is when you're born somewhere... Uh, you immediately assume, it's only natural that you would assume that how things are in your country is just the status quo. That's how it's done everywhere. It, it, it's, not only, it's, it's only when you go and you travel somewhere or you live somewhere else that you start to maybe notice, well, hold on a minute, this is, this is quite different. Sometimes the spectator sees more of the game. Sometimes someone on the outside can tell you what you're like on the inside. 
I obviously am the beneficiary of having that different perspective. I can tell you that when anybody tries to become a United States citizen, there are 128 questions that uh, are civics-related that you need to know the answers to. And uh, I, I was doing it, and I've been a lifelong student of American history uh, for as long as I can remember. And I can tell you, I don't know how many natural-born Americans would be able to pass the citizenship test in 2022. I think I, I think I answered that question already, Nick. Yes. I think 5%. Yes. I'm not kidding. I, you know, I, I, did I pick that number out of the air? Yeah, I guess. But I really believe that, that 95% of Americans would fail that. You had to pass that in order to be able to become an American. And I think that's something that is missing. I agree with you wholeheartedly when you say it begins the for, in the formative years of a young child's mind. It's not at the collegiate level. That's bad enough that they're taking 18, 19, 20, and 21-year-olds and filling their heads with indoctrination and hatred for their country, uh, f- false facts about their about their country's origin and history and so forth. But it's far, far worse when you teach kids whose brains are just developing and you ingrain this into, into them from the very beginning, rather than teaching them about American greatness, about all of the civics that you had to learn. So I, you know, I think I really answered your question for you. I, 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 single digits. I'll, maybe I'll go to 9%. Single digits of Americans, I think, could do that. No, look, you're right. And it's something, Bob, unfortunately, that the left have always understood a lot better than conservatives, and that is that you ha- the, the children of today will be the leaders of tomorrow. So you have to capture them as soon as you possibly can. And that's been the left modus operandi. That's been the, how they've operated from the very beginning, and that's why we're in the situation that we're in right now. Uh, we're seeing the fruits of that approach for the left. And that's why it's so incredibly important to lead an American resurgence to turn things around is that we make K-12 students love the country again. And it's not just teaching civics. It's getting them to understand that, the, for example, the only country in the world where failure is not fatal is the United States. You can fall down 5,000 times, but if you've got grit, determination and hustle, you can get up 5,001. They don't know the stories of Thomas Edison trying a 1,000 times for the light bulb, or Abraham Lincoln losing his first six elections, or Walt Disney going bankrupt twice almost three times. Same story with Henry Ford. They've never been told these great inspirational stories about the United States that really come from the culture and the culture that comes from the founding documents. They haven't been taught this kind of stuff, and it's, it's so sad. I want Americans children to realize that the day that they were born here is the day that they won the lottery, that they got this incredible head start on anyone and everyone. And if they want their own children to have that same privilege, then they need to make sure America stays the way that it's always been. That is extraordinarily well said. We're talking to Nick Adams, the founder of the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. You know, it's an uphill fight that you're talking about, though, because not only are we competing with the schools in the K-12 through world, we're competing with social media. 
We're competing with legacy media. We're competing with others that continue to advance the same theories and the same misinformation that the schools are about this country. It's fashionable. It's trendy now to hate this country, to call it irredeemably racist and oppressive and and anti-this and anti-that and uh, the product of patriarchy and all of these things, Nick. You know, it's hard to do. So as you know the founder of a foundation like this where you are obviously taking on a very very tough mission but one that you are obviously passionate about it's more than just fighting in K through 12 we got to fight the entire culture don't we we certainly do we're in a massive culture war and again it's something that democrats and the left have always grasped far more easily than republicans and conservatives republicans are really good at elections but when it comes to the culture war they just they don't. They, I don't think they understand the magnitude of the fight that we're in. And culture is downstream from politics. You can have all the political victories that you want, but simply by virtue of the fact that political victories are temporary, just the way that it's just the reality, the things that are going to last a lot longer are going to be those cultural issues. And if you don't want to see declining patriotism, if you don't want to see... Uh, transgenderism and, and drag queens teaching our children. and They are all results of a culture that has been lost. Uh, it used to be that the family was the cornerstone of everything. And for millions of Americans, it still is. But there's also millions of Americans that, that don't have those same concepts on family anymore. There's so many children growing up in divorced households, in fatherless households. And, of course, that is going to have an impact on the quality of the everyday culture. So it's really important that conservatives understand that, that uh, this, is not a, this is not a boxing match. This is a UFC, no holds barred, <laughs> no rule kind of bout that we're in with the left. Because they don't care. They're only governed by three things. The rules of Saul Alinsky, the morals of the Chicago mob, and the money of George Soros. They are the only things that limit the left. Very well said, Nick. Uh, Last thing, though. uh, All of this, well, I shouldn't say all of this. A lot of this stems from leadership at the top. And that's my segue into The Most Dangerous President in History. That's your book, your latest. It's coming out in October. Tell us about The Most Dangerous President in History. Look, Joe Biden is the most dangerous president in history, Bob. There's no doubt about it. He's awful. He's terrible. Where do you begin? I mean, his record is atrocious. America is weaker, poorer, and less secure because of Joe Biden. He does not. He's lost his marbles. He doesn't know what's going on. He needs cards to tell him where to sit, who to call on, when to say God bless America or to say God bless America even. It is incredible. Then you've got his son, Hunter, routinely videos coming out of him with with escorts, snorting cocaine. I mean, this is the most incredible. And all of this is covered up for the last, for the last almost 50 years now, or it is 50 years, the uh, media has been covering for Joe Biden. There's all these things about Joe Biden and Joe Biden's family and Joe Biden's dealings that no one knows about. And so I decided to write this book, The Most Dangerous President in History, to reveal all of these things. 
it's an explosive book. There's, there's stuff in there that no one has ever heard about or, or seen before. It's a must-read for anybody that wants to know the kind of president that we currently have and how important it is that he be out of that office as soon as possible. Well, I uh, I concur that it's a must-read, and I must read it, and I first must acquire it. It's not available until October 25th, however, uh, so I'm going to have to wait a little bit. Is it available for pre-order now, uh, Nick? It most, certainly, it most certainly is, Bob, yes. You can go and pre-order right now on Amazon. Uh, no problem at all. Nick Adams, the founder of the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness and the author of the upcoming book, The Most Dangerous President in in History. It's available October 25th. Pre-order that now. Uh, Nick, I really appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate the mission of the flag organization trying to try to to, uh, undo some of the damage done to these kids and teach them a little bit about what civics and about what American privilege really is. I appreciate that very much, and thank you so much for your time. Bob, thanks for your patriotism and keeping everyone fired up every day. Amen. God bless you, sir. All right, 1129 uh, coming up on the news. Always Right Radio right back, AM 1420, The Answer. Waking up America from its woke slumber. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. Final segment of Always Right Radio on this Tuesday on AM 1420, The Answer. And again, if you uh, missed our 10 o'clock hour and you're mad because you feel like you missed Peter Kersenow, uh good news, you didn't. Peter was off today. Peter will be on tomorrow at 1010, so we're looking forward to that conversation. But we did have a great conversation with Jack Windsor. Jack Windsor with the Ohio Press Network uh, just does a phenomenal job. And one of the things Jack and I talked about, which I think bears repeating, is a Newsweek story on the Ohio Senate race between Tim Ryan and J.D. Vance. We've spent a good deal of time this week already talking about the lies and the propaganda of the media. Well, Jack uncovered another example of that, and I want you to hear what you may have missed. Here's Jack Windsor from last hour. Jack, um, I'm going to talk about another story now. I want to pivot here. There was a Newsweek article released last week about the Ohio Senate race between J.D. Vance, who won a very tough fight in the Republican primary against Tim Ryan, who did not have a tough fight in his Democrat primary to replace Rob Portman. Newsweek says that uh, Tim Ryan is simply crushing J.D. Vance, at least at this particular stage in that can, those campaigns and in this election fight. You've got um, something you want to share with us? Yeah, so first of all, that, that headline really captured my attention. Uh, I have a friend in the Cincinnati area who sent me the article, and I went, wait a minute. And so I dove into it, and as you said, they released the results of a series of five surveys um, that they put under the banner headline of Tim Ryan crushing J.D. Vance. And that article caused immediate backlash. It had to, because within hours, the headline was changed to, Tim Ryan leading J.D. Vance in Ohio Senate poll, anti-Vance group says. And the article was also edited to provide more insight into the political action committee that commissioned the survey, which is called uh, Center Street PAC, and and they have some Ohio connection. And so, um, you know, (laughs) first of all, even though the headline was changed and the story was changed, you know, the desired effect of grabbing attention during the morning news cycle – it, by the way, it was published by Microsoft uh, Network, so MSN, and now it's trickled down into other news outlets across the country. So that original headline still shows up on some search pages, and you know it might have had the desired effect. 
But there were some red flags, Bob. Um, and, you know, the first red flag was that it showed Tim Ryan up by 12 points among registered voters and nine points among what they would call likely voters. And 538, um, which, you know, every every pollster kind of has their strength and weakness, but 538 actually has Vance winning in 84 out of 100 chances. So, you know, that, that caused me to pause. And so as we dove in a little more, um, you know, obviously the report headline changing, the story changing, kind of made me scratch my head even more. And then I reached out to the reporter from Newsweek, and then I did some digging, and I thought, well, wait a minute, this guy lives in Limerick, Ireland. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> um, no, true story. Um, and, and he has not yet responded to my questions for comment. Um, and then I did reach out to the political action committee that sponsored the poll, and I found out that they were started after January 6th to, in their words, protect people like Liz Cheney uh, of the world. And uh, they say that she did the right thing. And one of the founders actually called candidates like J.D. Vance and Lauren Boebert crap bags, but he didn't use the word crap, and said that their mission is to ensure the defeat of these crap bags who deny the results of the 2020 election and who are out spreading stolen elections. Bull crap, if you will, but he didn't say crap. Um, and then, you know, the PAC has also endeavored to conduct polling and push reporting on other races. And, Bob, I'll read these really quickly. And you tell me if you notice any common themes. Uh, Liz Cheney's race in Wyoming, uh, J.D. Vance and Tim Ryan, Lauren Boebert and Adam Frisch, uh, Anthony Sabatini and Rusty Roberts in Florida's 7th District, in Washington's 3rd District, uh, Herrera Butler and, and Joe Kent. And then in Utah's fourth district, Jake Hunsker and Burgess Owens. Um, what would you think those races have in common? Tell us. Uh, these other races uh, are people who have, they involve people who have been endorsed by Trump and people who embrace the America First agenda. Um, and then, you know, the, the poll that was cited by Newsweek also uh, mentions the need that. Tim Ryan has in another poll from a group called Grow Progress. Now, let me just read you some of the verbiage from Bro- <laughs> Grow Progress's online presence. Just by their name alone, I know what they're going to have here, but go ahead. <laughs> Trusted traditional tools need an update. Progressives spend a lot of time and money to change minds, but far too often it has zero impact or even backfires. That's why we built Grow Progress. Our tools are different. Grow Progress builds tools that help causes and companies persuade more people for good. So uh, we're diving in a little bit more on this. But I did reach out to Robert Cahaley of uh, the Trafalgar Group, and I know you probably heard of Robert, and, and certainly Trafalgar covered a lot of, of course, the GOP. In the, in the governor's race, race. yeah, they spent, yeah, they, yeah, they were very prominent in the, in the governor's race, too. And Robert Cahaley, and I don't, I don't have it in front of me, so I can't repeat his quote verbatim, but he said, hey, it's kind of refreshing. <laughs> I think backhanded compliment here. Uh, I think it's kind of refreshing that Center Street PAC is actually telling voters what they're about. Um, and he said, you know, any, any group that is similar to the Lincoln Project that, that, that pushes out a poll, um, and, you know, any voter is probably not going to take that very seriously. But interestingly enough, um, you know, similar to Joe Biden's, you know, 10-year-old story last week, 
certainly didn't reach that level of, um, uh, you know, fire that that his comments uh, made, uh, the comments that he made, and, and how that you know set ablaze that whole uh, issue. But this this did have a you know a similar effect in that people are starting to go, well, wait a minute, maybe Tim's Tim Ryan's coming away. You know, oh, he he raised nine point one million dollars. He he might be up by nine points. And the reality is he isn't. Um, and and so we're going to publish um, a little bit more in-depth uh, coverage on this Newsweek article and that poll uh, later today. That's all the time that we've got. If you uh, want to hear the entirety of that interview with Jack Windsor, as well as my interview with Nick Adams from uh, earlier in this hour, you can catch it at alwayswrightradio.us. Excuse me, it's alwaysright.us and whkradio.com. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. Be safe. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Let's go, Brandon. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver for the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.